Good day. I'm Martin Webb, and welcome to The Climate Report for Thursday, October 13, 2022. The Climate Report broadcasts and podcasts here on KVMR-FM and at kvmr.org every second and fourth Thursday at 6.30 p.m. Please note, all Climate Report shows are archived at KVMR's podcast page online for re-listening and sharing. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email climatereport at kvmr.org. Today's Climate Report continues our special series on the brand new Sierra Nevada Regional Climate Vulnerability Assessment. At the end of September, in our fourth Thursday of September show, we talked about the context behind this report, who has created it and who is behind it. For example, we talked about the Sierra Business Council. They're really at the top of the chain for this. And we talked about how they are involved in quite a lot of different ways in our communities and in the Sierra Nevada region in general, whether it's helping small business clients uh, access loans and grants. They've worked on resilient infrastructure plans. They've worked on internet connection for thousands of homes. They've worked on our housing crisis, climate resilience, wildfire priorities, and they've also even helped work with underserved parts of the community. But one of the most important efforts that the Sierra Business Council makes is in regards to the climate. They focus on community, the economy, and the environment. And the Sierra Nevada Regional Climate Vulnerability Assessment is a hugely important part of us, anyone that is living today in the Sierra Nevada region, and anyone that plans to stay in the Sierra Nevada region, you must be aware of what the climate impacts are forecast to be. Now, there is a part of the Sierra Business Council that works with PG&E customers on efficiency, but they also have a group that's called Sierra Camp. That stands for the Climate Adaptation and Mitigation Partnership. And in 2020, Sierra Camp was awarded almost a $200,000 grant from the Sierra Nevada Conservancy to complete what's called a triple bottom line climate vulnerability assessment across all 22 counties in the Sierra Nevada Conservancy's boundary. So again, the Sierra Nevada Conservancy covers a 22-county region across California. They were the ones that issued this $200,000 grant to an arm of the Sierra Business Council. In partnership with stakeholders throughout the region, it's called a triple bottom line of vulnerability assessment because the work identifies climate vulnerabilities on our social and economic and environmental well-being. So how is the climate going to impact the people that live here, the environment, that means the plants and the trees and the animals, and how is it going to impact our economy? So people, plants, and the economy specific to our Sierra Nevada region. That's why this is so important and why we are creating this multi-part series to focus on it. Because oftentimes, climate-related news is very broad. The science might describe global phenomenon or national phenomenon or maybe even what's happening in California. This is the first time a very rigorous assessment has been made to the Sierra Nevada region to assess how vulnerable we are to climate change. Now, climate change impacts our public health, 
our economies, the environment in this assessment. And the Sierra Business Council partnered with scientists and a lot of groups, including the Sierra Institute for Community and Environment, to conduct community assessments across our region. Why a Sierra Nevada assessment? Well, in California, many existing assessments of vulnerability use indicators that are really more relevant to more urban communities. For example, Cal EnviroScreen assesses environmental health and prioritizes air and water pollution metrics to identify disadvantaged communities in California. While these metrics are crucial to some communities in our state, we also know that they don't capture some of the key challenges that us and the Sierra Nevada face as a large rural region with limited resources and capacity, and we have a high degree of dependence on natural resources. With the guidance of this report's technical advisory group, which consisted of scientists and climate adaptational adaptation professionals from around the region, they've identified climate indicators that are directly relevant to our area. By combining these qualitative metrics with a bunch of community outreach and engagement activities, this groundbreaking assessment will provide a holistic Sierra Nevada-specific look at climate vulnerability. And the report authors say how they expect this assessment will help Sierra communities like ours in the KVMR immediate region. They say the culminating report for this assessment includes a profile for each of the 46 jurisdictions in the Sierra. That's the counties and the cities. They identify and rank every single jurisdiction's key environmental, economic, and social climate vulnerabilities. So again, this is a report that is not just specific to our Sierra Nevada region, which is crucial for our understandings of what it means to live here and stay here, but then they also drill down into every single county and assess it one at a time. In a future climate report, we will actually drill down into what they say about Nevada County. While last climate report, we gave you sort of the context and the impetus for this, this time we're actually going to dive into the report and let you know what some of the most salient facts are, the most interesting items about our region. I've lived here a quarter of a century, and I learned a lot from this report. Now, additionally, as part of the grant provided to the Sierra Business Council, they will provide technical assistance to any community to help them meet their SB 379 climate planning obligations. We'll touch on what SB 379 is in just a moment. So this is quite a large undertaking. It's taken a couple of years. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the primary intent, again, of this report is to assist with climate action in a region where many rural communities face capacity challenges. They just don't have the capacity to deal with these challenges. This unique report is also intended to build an understanding of climate risk within the Sierra Nevada Conservancy region, and again, to technically assist with implementation of Senate Bill 379, especially in communities that don't have a climate hazard mitigation plan. The entire impetus for this report and this Sierra Nevada region-wide assessment was the growing need to identify and address regional climate vulnerabilities already impacting our communities, our economies, 
and our environment within the entire Sierra Nevada region. So let's talk about first this region, because think of the Sierra Nevada as if we are one large body. And this is a medical assessment. So we talked a little bit about who is assessing us and what they're doing. This is a little bit about us, for those of you that weren't familiar with exactly what makes up the Sierra Nevada region. I was surprised at some of the data. I believe you will be too. First of all, what is the assessment boundary? Where were the limits? Who were they assessing? Who are we? This Sierra Nevada Climate Vulnerability Assessment is defined by the boundary of the Sierra Nevada Conservancy, who issued the grant to create this report. Their boundary encompasses 22 different counties, from the border up north with Oregon, the border along the east to the state of Nevada, almost down to the border with Mexico. It includes the Southern Cascades, as well as the Sierra Nevada mountain range. And, surprisingly, this region represents a quarter of California's landmass. That's right. If you looked at the entire state of California, the Sierra Nevada region represents 25% of the entire state's landmass. It covers nearly 25 million acres, and the elevation in our region ranges from as low as 200 feet above sea level to more than 14,000 feet in elevation. The Sierra Nevada region is an ecologically diverse rural area. It's characterized by mountainous peaks, rolling foothills, small towns, and pine forests. Now, this landscape, in addition to making up 25% of the landmass of California, it is one of the most important assets. The Sierra Nevada itself is the source of 60% of the state's developed water supply. 60% of the entire state of California's developed water supply originates from our region. The Sierra Nevada embodies endless wilderness that provides natural resources and services critical to ecosystems and California's economies. The report blew my mind slightly when they broke out in table form the percent of the Sierra Nevada landmass that is covered by three different types of land cover. They looked at how much of our region is made up of just pure wilderness versus how much of it is made up of agricultural lands. And then finally, how much of the Sierra Nevada region is actually represented by humans in our development. So out of the almost 25 million acres, looking at wilderness versus agriculture versus development. Before I tell you the numbers, stop and guess. What percent of the entire Sierra Nevada, the 22 counties from way up north to down south that stretch all along the eastern part of the state? How much would you guess wilderness makes up of the Sierra Nevada region? What percent would you guess is made up by agricultural use? And what percent of the Sierra Nevada region is made up by human development? Wilderness is 
of our entire Sierra Nevada region landmass. Agriculture makes up almost 12%. Now, if you're quick at math, you'll recognize that the 88% of wilderness and the almost 12% of agriculture equals 100%. According to this report and statistics show that development and humanity's actual footprint is less than one-half of 1% of the entire Sierra Nevada region. Now, before we start to dive in a little bit into the report, they took time to carefully define some of the key terms regarding climate change and how they assessed our region. So climate change in our state can be measured on the average based on variability of properties that have existed for long periods of time, weather, water, temperature. They break this down into three separate chronological parts. There is the climate effects, which lead to climate hazards, which then cause climate impacts. So for example, the climate effects... Changes in our climate caused by greenhouse gas emissions are changing precipitation and increasing temperature. Well, those create hazards resulting from the climate effects. Extreme heat events, mudslides, drought, wildfire. Those are the hazards created by climate change effects. Well, those hazards create direct impacts on our region water quality, structural damage, public health effects, smoke and ash, and ecosystem degradation. They also carefully define three different words that we've probably all heard quite a bit, but since we're diving into this very important report, it bears mentioning what these three different terms mean. First is vulnerability. That's in the title of the report. This is the Sierra Nevada Regional Climate Vulnerability Assessment. And they very specifically say that vulnerability defines the overall degree to which people, ecosystems, or infrastructure, so that's people, nature, or the things we build, are susceptible to climate change. Vulnerability is a function of the climate impacts matched against our capacity to adapt. Adaptation is a different word that they take uh, time to define. Adaptation describes the process of adjusting to projected or actual changes. So what's happening now or what's expected to happen in the climate and its impacts in order to reduce harm to humans, ecosystems, and infrastructure. And again, this is what they call a triple bottom line analysis. You'll Hear me describe this over and over as we read the results of the report. What are the impacts on humans? What are the impacts on the environment? And what are the impacts on the infrastructure and economy? So humans and the environment are two different living and breathing things. And then the infrastructure and the economy are human constructs. So how vulnerable are those people, plants, animals, and infrastructure And how are we able to adapt? And lastly, they define community capacity. That's the ability of local residents like us to respond to all of these climate effects and hazards and impacts while still meeting the needs of all of our residents. So how vulnerable are we? How able are we to adapt? 
and what is the capacity of our community. Now, as noted, this report is designed to assist with implementation of something called Senate Bill 379. SB 379 is a a land use general plan act that amends the government code as approved by the governor several years ago in 2015. And it requires that all cities and counties within California integrate climate adaptation into their general plans. So that's part of the behind the scenes efforts we don't hear a lot about. It's easy for jurisdictions and governments, whether local or state or community or county based, to sort of ignore the problem and hope someone else deals with it. Well, in 2015, Governor signed SB 379 that actually requires every single California city, every single California county to integrate how they're going to adapt to the climate into their general plans. As we've talked a lot about here on the Climate Report, you'll notice that in many cases we're switching from using the word mitigation, which means hopefully stopping and lessening the effects of climate change. We've let things go on so far that now we're seeing the impacts, and a common word is adaptation. No, well, we didn't do what we needed to fast enough to stop these issues from starting, So how can we adapt? That's what SB 379 does. It doesn't force cities and counties to come up with ways to stop or slow their emissions that contribute to climate change. Instead, it specifically directs them to integrate ways to adapt into their general plan. So this report is intended to shed light on every city and county in the Sierra Nevada region to help provide an analysis on what their vulnerabilities are what their capacity to adapt is, and what they possibly can and should do. Okay, well, how did they go about putting this together? There are a few short bullet points that bear mentioning, because in today's skeptical world where so much misinformation and disinformation is swirling around, it matters. How did they write this report? Who wrote this report? Was it a couple of hippies sitting in the woods eating organic vegetables? Or was it actually scientists and people that had a deep understanding and knowledge of our region, both the economics, the people, and the environment? So right before we dive into the findings, this is how this pivotal report was prepared. They say in order to adequately present vulnerability and community capacity in regards to climate change impacts within the Sierra Nevada region, a comprehensive understanding of both our historical climate data from the past, and projected climate data of the future was necessary. So what were we like in the past? What's expected of the future? Observed data was collected from state and federal sources. This report utilized climate projection data. So observed data from the past was taken from state and federal resources. Where did they get their data for the future? They utilized climate projection data for mid-century and late-century timeframes. These data sets for the assessment came from the California-Nevada Climate Applications Program at Scripps Institution of Oceanography. Further, a group of expert climate scientists in the Sierra Nevada region were consulted to better inform the climate science presented in this report. 
So that's the climate part of it. But along with the climate data, data on socioeconomic well-being and demographic trends in the region was also collected. Much of the data used in this report was pulled from the most recent 2020 U.S. Census. This report defines the economic drivers of our region. You might be well aware of these, but it's worth bearing mention again because there's a lot of question about what does keep our region afloat economically. We're all different individuals, every single one of us listening to this climate report. And all of us are given a certain view on the economy in the region that might limit what we think keeps things ticking. Well, they spent years putting together this report, and they define the economic drivers of the Sierra Nevada region as this. There are four of them. Tourism, recreation, natural resources, and agriculture. Tourism, people coming to visit us momentarily and then leave. Recreation, going outside and doing stuff. Natural resources, the resources that are outside, and then agriculture, producing goods from the outside. What you'll notice about that is that our region's economy is fairly well dependent on the health of the outside. Tourism, recreation, natural resources, and agriculture. Vitally important to recognize climate change is going to likely threaten all of those now, analysis was conducted to determine the climate hazards and impacts that will most affect the economic development of the region. Lastly, after talking to scientists about the climate and the environment, after using, climate, after using census data and socioeconomic data to analyze the people and the economy, then they did something quite unique. They went into every community and had meetings to ask people what they felt like their strengths and weaknesses were. That was in order to produce the community capacity results for this report. The Sierra Business Council partnered with the Sierra Institute for Community and Environment to conduct community workshops. These workshops asked local participants in each community to rate their capacity in the communities that they're familiar with based on five different quote-unquote capitals that define capacity. Physical capital, human capital, social capital, cultural, and financial. We'll touch on each of these in the future. But while these workshops did produce final community capacity scores for all the communities within our Sierra Nevada region, they admit they were not highly attended. And in general, these community workshops lacked diverse attendees that may have deeper insight into their community's adaptive capacity. So to wrap this up before we start to dip into their findings, using climate and population data and economic data at the county level, separate risk profiles were developed for each of the 22 counties within the Sierra Nevada region. That includes Nevada County. We got our own risk profile. These county-by-county county profiles use a scoring method to present the likelihood of climate hazards occurring in each county, the risk faced by vulnerable populations in the county, and the combined impact of climate hazards 
on vulnerable populations. Local planners and policymakers may want to begin utilizing this report with the risk profile for their jurisdiction. These profiles will help local planners and policymakers prioritize climate hazards and vulnerable groups in need of the most planning and resources to build capacity to adapt. So these are the pivotal findings. First, some climate science. Most of this we've all observed. But it's interesting to note the actual numbers. Number one, increased temperature. In the Sierra Nevada region over the last 60 years, our mean temperature has already increased by about one and a half degrees Celsius. That 1.5 degrees Celsius is what scientists have warned we need to stay behind. In the next 40 years, our region is anticipated to do that again, increasing another one and a half degrees Celsius. Snow water equivalent. Historically, between 1950 and 1990, Lake Tahoe averaged anywhere between 4 to 11 inches of measured snow water equivalent on April 1st. So they measure how much snow and they can translate that into water. On April 1st, every April 1st, from 1950 to 1990, it was about 7 inches on average measured on April 1st, up to 11 inches. However, in the last 20 years, that measurement has decreased to two to four inches on April 1st. Historically, seven inches on average of snow water equivalent on April 1st, an average of seven inches, high of 11 inches. Right now in the last 20 years, it's decreased to two to four inches. And in the future, averages are projected to drop down to almost zero. The water deliveries we've been getting from nature are expected to disappear and almost dwindle to nothing. Another pivotal finding in the climate science portion of this is declining snowpack. Snowpack is estimated to be minimal to non-existent around the 6,000-foot elevation mark within a few decades. Since the beginning of the 20th century, glaciers in the Sierra Nevada have shrunk 70% on average. So the projections are that within a few decades, we won't have much water delivered, and what is delivered will no longer stay in the form of snow. Then they've also put a figure to the lengthening wildfire season. The California Department of Forestry and Fire Protection has estimated that the length of the fire season across the Sierra Nevada has increased by two and a half months. Data from CalAdapt estimates this trend will continue to grow by almost 50% on average over the next few decades. That means that the length of the fire season will just continue to grow. And as we've all heard, in many cases, it's described as pretty much being year-round. Well, we're next just going to lightly touch on some of the impacts that are impacting our Sierra Nevada region. Then in our next Climate Report show, which will be on the fourth Thursday in October, we'll dig deeper into exactly how our populations are expected to be impacted, how our environment is expected to be impacted, how our economies are expected to be impacted across the Sierra Nevada region. Then we'll drill down to Nevada County's own report 
and what they think we can do to adapt and be less vulnerable. But some of the clear impacts expected for this year in Nevada, if you're going to stay here, if you live here, you've experienced these already. But the summary of climate data says that we should expect further increases in temperature. If you think it's hot now, it will just continue to get hotter. There will continue to be drought. There will continue to be receding glaciers. Forest health will decline and extreme precipitation will make up for the droughts with deluges that also cause impacts. Stay tuned for our continuing series focusing on this Sierra Nevada Regional Climate Vulnerability Assessment here on the Climate Report on KVMR. This is part two. Make sure you tune in for part three in the fourth Thursday in October at 6.30 p.m. That's all for today's Climate Report broadcasting and podcasting here on KVMR-FM and at kvmr.org every second and fourth Thursday at 6.30 p.m. I'm Martin Webb. For daily news headlines in between broadcasts, including heaps of good news and tips, there is a Climate Report social media page. And as always, today's show will be archived and posted to the KVMR website's podcast page for sharing or re-listening. For questions or comments, feel free to email climatereport at kvmr.org. 